Welcome back to the Explore NAB podcast. This week, we sit back down around the table with John Cassidy, lead planter from Hope Community Church in Antelope, California, Jamie Hamlet, who is working to plant Disciples Church in Mandan, North Dakota, and none other than Chris Fitchum, who recently launched CityWalk Church in Yuba City, California. This week, we're talking about sermon prep in a church plant, and we're also diving into our own soul care and how those two things are used uniquely changing in a church plant context and how important yet they remain as we lead in our church plants. It's a tremendously fruitful conversation. I was encouraged and challenged. I hope you will be as well. And one of those few things that we're expected to do really well, certainly once we get to the point in the church plant where Sunday experience is happening mm-hmm. is the preaching piece. Can you talk through the preaching piece a little? How, how are we doing with that? I mean, I, you mentioned earlier that like your sermon's done on Thursday and you lay it down like that. That's like <laughs> insanity to me. Like I, I don't, right. I, I've never had a sermon done on Thursday in my life. God bless you. Yeah, once again, Chris is like, but talk about your rhythm for preaching because I think one of the things that church planters don't factor in is that for most of us as church planters, we're not only planting for the first time, we're also a lead pastor for the first time. Whereas, you know, in our preaching rhythms before, we may have been preaching once a month or once every six weeks. And it's like most anybody can crank out a pretty good sermon if you're only you preaching once a week. Six weeks to prepare for Yeah, you got six weeks to prep for it, the, six weeks to The story. first time I preached two sermons in a row was my second week in the church plant. Right. So talk about the preaching rhythm. Like how, what are you guys doing in that? And where are you finding success and where are the challenges? So for, for us, um, we, I started a preaching team. And, and so that's been extremely helpful not to, to take on that load all by myself. And it's also discipleship mm-hmm. to, to be able to equip other people uh, to, to learn how to, uh, to draft out a sermon, to, to go, okay, what does the Bible actually say about this? How do we, how do we, out truth to be able to communicate to the to the congregation there and we have we have women on our team we have men on our team there's a retired pastor on our team there's a brand new believer on our team which is so helpful for us to be able to um, sometimes I think people could fall I could fall into like Christianese and this is how uh, what Christians say, no one knows what I'm talking about and so having a new believer who has never really gone through the Bible go what does that mean and what are you talking about right now mm-hmm. to be able to make it uh, more simple. But essentially what we do is we draft out um, whether it's a month or a series and, and go, this is what we're going to be focusing on and talking about. And then after we have done that, then weekly we meet together on Wednesday nights and uh, everyone has uh, an outline and we discuss it for about an hour and a half. and. Uh, uh, began to, to work through like, okay, what is the most important part of this text and, and, and how does this affect the people that, that God is calling us to and, and how do we do that? And then whoever is speaking, so um, I'm not the only one that's, that's going to be speaking, um, we meet on Wednesday and hopefully by Friday have something together, but the person who's speaking has been thinking about that text for mm-hmm. a few weeks ahead of time because that's our, that work's already been done. 
Jamie, you preached as part of your residency out here in Northern California. You preached at Disciples on one Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had a little more lead time to prepare that. But in terms of even setting that date, you know, it was, you had that week to prep. Right. How was that experience for you? What was it like? You know, what, what do you take from that as you begin to set your plan for the year ahead to launch Disciples Church in Mandan? Well, I'm uh, used to really preaching through uh, a book. That's just mm-hmm. what I've done traditionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about that a little bit with the Genesis yeah. passage that you're preaching on. Um, and so for me to do a, a one-off mm-hmm. is not normal. And uh, But I have a few one-offs, obviously that message being one of them, but still there's there's that element of uh, almost a false expectation that I put on myself that, you know, this, I'm preaching this in, in Stu's church, so mm-hmm. it's got to be very uh, polished and, and so forth. For your people, and, you're not polished. It's just like, well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever words yeah. you want. They're my people. They love me. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but very much, and some of the constructive criticism that I received about that message was very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, my story at the beginning was too long, mm-hmm. uh, that it needed to be much more succinct, uh, that I could have said what took about, uh, one gentleman told me it, it, I was about nine minutes in before I captured his attention. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was very very I think, important to hear. I think you're hitting on something really important that as church planters, wh- whether we've got the technology to upload that to YouTube and do everything we would want production-wise, just videoing that sermon on a regular basis and watching ourselves preach mm-hmm. is one of the best gifts we can give ourselves. I mean, I, re- I remember on our preaching team as well, watching one of our people who was preaching jingle his keys in his pocket while mm-hmm. he was preaching. And you're like, dude, you got to knock that off. You got to stop doing that, you know. But we have this great advantage in this day and age of technology. Right. And you can see it, you know. Right. And, and he might have preached 15 years doing that. Um, and now to say, hey, you know, like we've told all of our communicators, nothing in your pocket when you're on stage. Your phone mm-hmm. shouldn't be sitting in your pocket mm-hmm. buzzing. Right. You know, it's like these are simple things. Uh, so that uh, you're hitting on that, you know, just watching yourself on video. Right. Such a key, key piece. And you see the... I took nine minutes to get into that story. I could probably do that in three. Exactly. Tightening that. It's so good. Chris, what are you doing with the preaching? Talk about the rhythms of that and how you're getting after that. So for us, we, like probably all you guys, we we try to lay out ahead of time, you know, at least six months. We're we're barely six months in, but six months to a year of the direction we feel God's taken us in our preaching. You plan so far ahead of me. And it it changes and all that. I know what I'm talking on next week. But... uh, So we, we do that, and then we have uh, some creative people that take that and, and try to do something with it with, with different series graphics and, and those types of things. But as far as like a rhythm for the week, uh, for me, Monday afternoon, I try to block out like a half hour to an hour to where I can like start the preaching document for that week and just start to wrap my head around a little bit of what we're going to be talking about that week. And then Tuesday... From about nine to one, my focus is, and I have to keep myself on this focus because I want to, my focus is study the passage. Mm. And I'll, I'll want to start writing stuff down on how I want to communicate it, but I just have to make myself just study right. the passage 
and, and focus in on the passage. And if a, an idea comes to me, I get it in the document, but I don't spend time with it. And then on Wednesday from about nine to one is where I take the document that I have and all the little side notes and what I learned from the passage and I put it together how I want to present mm -hmm. it to people. And, and so usually by Wednesday afternoon, um, I've got it emailed to a few people in our, our church and, and it's, it's 90 some percent done, but those, for me, those blocking out those times and not allowing anything to get in the, the way of that Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning for me is the, the rhythms that really help me stay focused. That's really key to those I disciplining for that time. Yeah, I think it's frame. awesome. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Let me I don't know you. if I have the time. Right. Let me let me paint that. the other picture, right? I think that's awesome. So I if I added right, that's seven hours before you even hit Thursday that you're in your sermon. Um, so in our and I'm not saying ours is but just, you know, for just keeping real, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. So our typical rhythm, like we have a preaching team as well, so we're setting those series as a team. We're brainstorming as a team once a month. Where do we want to go in this series? So like right now we're in a series and we got together and we brainstormed where we want to go in that series and what text we want to go. So that, that we have nailed a ways out. And then we assign those among our preaching team, among those on our preaching team that do speak. Uh, and so that we have nailed down. So when we arrive at the week of our typical rhythm, it doesn't always work this way, but our typical rhythm is Tuesday night is when our pastors or our elders gather. We meet every other week. And so we simply have the text for what's being preached that Sunday. And we just study it. We read it in about a half an hour. And I just simply ask, or whoever's preaching asks, hey, what jumps out at you? What lands on you? What do you see? What do you see? Yeah. What questions hit you? And then whoever's speaking that week is just writing down notes feverishly. So that person's not expected to arrive at Tuesday night with any direction for the sermon other than we know we know largely what what direction we're going and what text we're preaching. And so then we just gather all that. That's really helpful. So then I feel like I'm crowdsourcing at that point mm -hmm. among leaders in our church who I trust and love. Um, and I, I think, you know, if a planter, at the very least, if a planter would gather with a group of four or five once a week to just say what jumps out at you on this text, and that's all preaching team was for him, mm. boy, what a gift. Um, but in my rhythm, I don't sit down and write until Saturday. So I Sabbath Friday, and then I sit down on Saturday, and I don't put pen to paper till Saturday. So then I pull out that piece of paper from Tuesday, and it's been percolating mm -hmm. in my head, and I may have jotted down a few things in an iPhone note or mm -hmm. whatever, but I don't sit down and write anything till Saturday, and I write it in one pass. And so I sit down, boom, and I write in one pass on Saturday, and then on Sunday morning, my alarm goes off at 5, and I open up my laptop with what I wrote on Saturday, and I throw out what was garbage, and I make final tweaks on Sunday morning. And then my PowerPoint, I do myself and mm -hmm. send off. I remember one of the things we had in the early years was, you know, we were trying to get it in by Thursday so that our tech people could do that. And one of the things that I found is the tail started to wag the dog. Like the tech people were saying, well, we need it from you on Wednesday, and I'm rushing to get things to tech people. And, and it, yeah, it hurts everything. Right, and it's like, it's not ready by Wednesday. So then I was I was. I think my personality is similar to yours, uh, where if I had the time to do it, I would continue to tweak and to tweak and to rewrite and to rewrite. And so I yeah. have a similar pattern. What is important to me, though, is Saturday night before I go to bed, um, 
I have to be able to articulate my sermon in 30 seconds. Like what, awesome. what is the thing that I am saying? And I don't preach with notes. And so uh, yeah. to be able to, to, to make sure that I know where I'm going and what my transitions are on Saturday night yeah. before my head hits the pillow makes it so much easier for me. It's like that Haddon Robinson stuff, right? You know, no sermon's ready to preach unless you can do it in five minutes, 10 minutes, and 30 minutes. And so I agree, like, you know, when I lay down Saturday night, I want to be able to, like, if I had to preach that sermon in five minutes, 10 minutes, or 30, I could do it. And if I got up on Sunday morning and somebody said, hey, you only have 20 minutes today, did I, no problem. I could, I could surmise that down yeah. to 20. I think that's key. So one of the, um, I, I say dirty little secrets of the ministry life, and I don't say that lightly, is that I think there's an assumption, even by those of us in ministry, that somehow leading in the local church will deepen our relationship with God. And the reality is that uh, leading in the local church, and obviously I'm biased as a planter, but planting a church, you have to be really careful that the process of planting this church is not uh, a disintegration of your soul, that it's not undoing you. Um, and I know you guys have experienced that in, in year one of a church plant. What are you finding about after you've walked with Jesus for all these years, now you're planting a church. How are you learning to take care of your soul and be sure that you and Jesus are staying deeply connected in that? Well, let me tell you what not to do. Oh, thank so, you. Uh, yeah. So I could eat ice cream by like the court. And I, I remember like, this is like dirty little secret type thing, but just being overwhelmed and stressed and going to, to Rayleigh's and getting a quart of ice cream. And, <laughs> ben and Jerry's, right? No. It's like not, you're Briars, not Ben and Jerry's? You're Briars, Briars guy. Oh, all right. And then going to the deli and getting a spoon and like, covering this thing and taking it to like a local park and just hiding behind a wall. You were that guy. <laughs> you saw him, didn't you? That's who we called the cops on. You were praying for him. Uh, don't do that. It's yeah. like, you're yeah. going to have, oh, I had stomach issues and everything else and yeah. just made a situation even worse. But that's like, that's the shame of going, okay, I'm a pastor, I'm a lead pastor now. I have to lead all these people. I have to have my life together. But the reality is I'm messed up just like everyone else is. Yeah. And, uh, and so like soul care is, is crucial yeah. to be able to do that. And if uh, I, I could say that because I, I think that, that sin and shame is a cave creature, like in the dark, it gets mm -hmm. bigger. But when exposed to the light, Jesus just comes in and goes, that doesn't have to control you. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to worry about, about that. And then finding essentially reconciliation, finding the, the ability to, uh, to go, hey, here I am, Lord. Uh, this is my issue. This is mm -hmm. my problems. I, I need help right now. I think you're hitting on a couple of really key things there, though, John, that are worthy of more discussion, which is certainly there's that shame piece as a planter and as a lead pastor that my people expect that I have it together. Uh, how, how are you finding ways and avenues and outlets mm. to expose that shame when you're in this infancy of a church plant and you, you, know, you don't yet have an elder board of people or you don't yet have some mm. of those structures in place? How are you navigating that as a planter? Um, so one is I'm going to be authentic with my congregation and I'm going to share real life stories of what's going on in my life. Uh, 
I, I am just like them, one um, mm -hmm. beggar helping another beggar find bread, and mm -hmm. that's, that's mm -hmm. in Jesus. Uh, Rick Weber is our regional pastor, and he is my pastor, uh, and, mm -hmm. and so to be able to have him pray with me, hold me accountable, like call me out on certain things is, is something that is extremely helpful for, for my wife and I to, to be able to, to have some type of accountability and, and help there. But then there's, um, uh, when, when it comes down to it, the, we say it a lot, you say it a lot, the Dallas Willard said it, the best thing that we have to offer our church is, mm -hmm. is the person that we're becoming. And so mm -hmm. number one, we need to continue to be pursuing Jesus with, with everything, with all of our heart. And, uh, and so mm -hmm. if that's not a passion, then we're, we're in the wrong spot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there is that point, you know, mm -hmm. in a church plant life, and I remember it clearly in the life of our church plant where we were five, six years in. And, you know, the end of that quote or the second half of that quote is not just the person you're becoming. That's what you replicate. Yeah. And I remember looking in five years into our church plant and looking around at the leaders in our church and realizing what I have replicated is myself. Mm. And it's not good. You know, we, there, there are some holes in my soul and in my character that have a way of attracting people with the same holes and same, same lacking in their character. And this is part of the uniqueness of a pioneering venture that, you know, loneliness meets loneliness, weakness meets weakness. And so if I have an issue with ego, what do you know, five years in, people with big egos are who are around the table because yeah. we can stand each other, you know, uh, and so uh, that's a unique challenge, whereas uh, you might not see that in other areas of ministry. And, and that, so that soul care and that putting before Jesus and even our congregation, hey, here's who I am authentically. And that authenticity not become the end goal, right? You know, transformation is our end goal. Authenticity is, is our way to mm -hmm. find our way through. I like how Chris talks about rhythms, though. Like you have an amazing rhythm for uh, like caring for your soul and... Uh, yeah. Is allowing God to work through your life. I think for me, as you guys were talking, the the rhythm parts of the practical part, but and the the word that kept coming to mind is the word identity. <clears throat> and I wish I didn't put my identity in a successful church, but it is so tempting and daily. <clears throat> it's a daily yeah. struggle to not put my identity in how many people were at church last Sunday or you know, what's moving forward mm -hmm. uh, and what's moving backwards. And and so uh, I think before you plant, it's so vital. And, and you, you said this to basically like, I mean, whatever you're having issues with before you plant, it's only going to get worse. And so before you enter the journey of planting, making sure that you have relationships around you that are telling you the truth. Yeah. Uh, making sure that you have rhythms in your life for spending time with Jesus, rhythms for Sabbath, because it's not going to just start automatically. It's just going to get really ugly quick. Um, and and then just keeping it for me. I mean, I can't tell you how many nights I've went to sleep saying Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in my head mm -hmm. because I struggle with anxiety because something's not moving the way I thought it was mm -hmm. going to move. And so just uh, having, just knowing up front that those pressures are going to come and that you're in this for the long haul and you're not meant to carry this 
And we all say that. We preach it. We've taught Sunday school classes about <laughs> yeah. it. But at the end of the day, we struggle with it. And so just continually putting it back to the Lord, yeah. putting it back to the Lord, and then just having relationships around you that are going to remind you of all the things we're talking about. You just need people to tell you it and tell you it and tell you it, uh, including your wife, uh, you know, people that will just be a, be a friend that way. So. Yeah. I'd like to speak into that a little bit, particularly the, the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I mean, in this very early phase where we're at, um, I've already seen how this can just consume me personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What and part consume you? The the worry, the I've got to get this done. I'll I'll be awake at one a.m. thinking about okay, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got yeah. to do this, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. And if I'm thinking about getting one of those things and just plastering it up on the oh. ceiling while my <laughs> eyes are wide open, and all yeah. that's up there is Proverbs three, five, and six. Yeah. Trust the Lord. Trust the right. Lord with all your heart. Right. <laughs> Um, and I, that's, that's got to be vital. And it must be a habit. I, I have to develop that habit to yeah. trusting the Lord. Yeah, and I think that that's one of those things. I mean, you're speaking to it. That if we don't develop that now, we're not going to have it. Because there's, right. we enter church planting thinking, well, at some point it will all slow down. And then I'll attend to my soul then. When is that going to happen? Exactly. Right? <laughs> you know, I, do, I mean, you're a ministry veteran. So you've been at this a right. long time. And you come in with that advantage, I suspect, of like, I know better that church planters are not working harder than established church pastors, right? Church planters are not working harder than a local pharmacist. We're working differently. differently. We're not working harder. So it's not like at some point going to slow down and then we can attend to our soul then. Right. How are you finding that in the pre-launch, even feeling the anxieties in the you know middle of the night stuff? Yeah, it really, um, it has to be habitual, the the feeding into ourselves. I, I love the, the rhythms. Mm-hmm. And if it isn't already a habit for us, um, maybe that's something we should take care of before we try yeah. to plant a church, really, yeah. is to get that reconciled in ourselves because it will eat us alive. I used to think as a, as a pastor, the seasoned veteran, if you will, that Oh, well, I'm, I'm studying for my message and, you know, that's feeding into my soul at the same time. It absolutely is not. Mm. Um, yeah, there's the word doesn't go void and there's truth in that, but we've got to be taking care of ourselves. Yeah. Sabbath in addition crucial. to Sabbath, yeah. right? Thanks again for joining us for week four of the Explore NAB podcast. I hope you found the conversation to be encouraging to you as you lead in your local church. If you've enjoyed the podcast, would you do us a favor and scroll down and rate and review us? Let us know what some discussion topics we could tackle that would encourage you and help you in your ministry. God bless you, and we hope to talk to you soon.